Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet. Patreon to the second episode of East Sweets West, your monthly dose of New Japan here on East Sweets Suplex Retweet. I am your host, Scott McClary, joined as always, as I am by Grant McRobbie. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, and as we're about to head into the new year, in the world of New Japan, there is no bigger topic of discussion right now than Wrestle Kingdom 14. It's always a big show that kicks off the year. It always produces a number of Match of the Year candidates for the year. And this year, it should be even bigger than before because it's going to be over two nights, January 4th and 5th. And basically, this episode is really going to be us running down the major matches of this card because as we were talking about, Grant, before we recorded, basically every championship New Japan has is on the line. Yeah, every single every single title on the line over two days and a ridiculously stacked card, making it the Japanese WrestleMania, you would say. Yeah, definitely. There's no other, no better way to describe it. You know, you've got the Tokyo Dome, the large venue, the atmosphere there, and obviously like the immenseness of the event. As I was typing out the uh, the notes for the show and running down the card, I really just hit home how stacked this card is. But as much as this, as stacked as this is, they keep adding new things over the last couple of days. I mean, it was only a few days ago that we got this major announcement, which I want to start with the announcement that for the first time ever on Wrestle Kingdom. There will be a stardom showcase match. There will be a tag team match. But it's not looking like this will be a televised one. This may be a before, because we have some shows that they are before. The main car kicked off kind of a pre-show, but it doesn't look like this one will even be part of the pre-show. This might be a, a dark match for just the crowd only. Yeah, it sounds like it's going to be the crowd only. Stardom will probably get it on their on-demand shortly afterwards. Possibly. Incredible that they're getting this chance because with Bushi Road, who own New Japan, taking over stardom as well lately, it looks like they're going to push their women's side of things just as big. Yeah, definitely. It does make sense when you think that both companies, that the company owns both uh, promotions. But the whole thing is, there was a, kind of this argument sometime last year about why New Japan didn't have a women's division, but then there's the argument that is it not more important that the fact that they have these promotions that are all women, that more women can be showcased rather than cramming in another title just for the sake of it. Uh, what did you make of this whole argument about New Japan not having a women's division? To me, personally for me, I felt that it's it's never had it and it just it's already crowded enough without trying to shoehorn in another division. Women's getting their own, own promotion, their own spotlight is, to me, a, bit, a better shout than trying to cram something into something where sometimes New Japan can be guilty of struggling to fit everything in. Yeah, it's a weird thing to have this argument and in this current climate because New J- Japan has been doing all all women's promotions 
for years, like back in the 90s, you had all Japan women's wrestling and like Dave Meltzer was covering that way back in the day. And like even back in the 90s, they were like decades ahead of what like North American women's wrestling was at the time when you had the WWE at the time going, bringing back the women's title, taking it away and then bringing it back again. So it's one of these things, kind of tradition in Japanese wrestling, so I don't think it should change now. But I do like the idea of maybe a bit of a crossover, but the fact that it might not be televised uh, was a bit strange for you, but now you pointed out that it might be like on Stardom's on-demand service at some point. Uh, I think that might make, make a bit more sense. Yeah, I mean, their, their one does work a little bit differently, but perhaps with Bushy Road buying them in, they might start to upgrade their service. So it'll be interesting to see. Plus, some of the some of the people that have got wrestling the match, Miyu Iwatani. Mm. But, I mean, she's she's wrestled on big stages already. And I mean, women's wrestling's just came on leaps and bounds. I mean, we've got promotions here. Eve, fierce females that show that you don't need to put the women into the into their shows, give them their own spotlight, they can do just as good, sometimes even better yeah, than what the guys do. They've got definitely a proven track record and like stardom, like you know, even if we don't see it, you know that also people who are there will probably be talking about it for uh, coming out of the event because stardom has produced a lot of top name Japanese stars that are working in WWE right now, like the likes of Yu Shirai and Carrie Sane have worked in stardom and that's where a lot of their hype was coming from when they came over for like the Mae Young Classic. So I'm sure they'll knock it apart. It's a shame. It would be a shame if we don't get to see it. But hopefully, as you said, it'll come out some point in the weeks that follow. I think if they if, if they're clever about it, they'll advertise it and they'll, they'll show it to the world one way or another because they want people in for a new product. Yeah, because there was a, quite a bit of buzz. Like I've seen people online talking about it, about how big of a deal it was and. Uh, we should talk about the, the women involved in the match. First of all, uh, you said one might. Iwatani. Mia Iwatani, she's wrestled in Ring of Honor and things like that before, if I remember correctly. Memories fail me a wee bit these days sometimes, but I think, I'm pretty sure she, she, she was at the Madison yeah. Square Garden, the G1 Supercard show. Yeah, I do I do recognise the name. I, I believe I've recognised it from somewhere. I mean, from what I've seen people talking, um, her and Hannah Kimura were kind of expected. The other two were what everyone was surprised about, from what I've heard anyway. But yeah, it, it's, at the end, it's an exhibition match. It's just to give people a taster to get them involved. Stardom is a really fascinating promotion to watch. One that I've only just recently started dipping my toes into. But I mean, mm-hmm. they've got a good mixture of their own homegrown talent, and we do send quite a lot of our talent their way as well. Quite a lot of Alexa B. Priestley, mm-hmm. Jamie. Lutter. Who are, who are now in AEW as well. Yeah, that'll be interesting. But, you know, like, as unfamiliar as I am with most of them in this match, you know that they have to be of top quality because stardom shows them to be in this kind of exhibition match. So, you know, that shows a tremendous amount of faith in them. We'll move on uh, further down the card. We have the IWGP Heavyweight Tag Team match with G.O.D. defending against the 2019 World Tag League winners David Finlay and Juice Robinson. Now, before we talk about their match against GOD, I want to talk, Grant, your thoughts on the World Tag League final between Ewan Sanada and Finjuice. That final was absolutely outstanding. And mm-hmm. I mean, anyone that knows me knows I'm a huge LIJ mark, ridiculously 
in love with Sonada, but it was the right team to win. We, we didn't need another LIJ GOD match. We, we didn't. We, we needed something fresh. And Robinson's been pretty hot property this year. And Finlay is looking absolutely outstanding coming back out of that shoulder injury. Yeah, I agree with you about uh, just Robinson being kind of hot property, you know, former two time US champion. Him and Finlay have been going on leaps and bounds as a team. I think you're right. Even Sonata won the last two years. It was good at the time, but going into this year, we think, okay, we want something new. And I think the fact that they had such a great record, like they were two points ahead of Juice and Finn going into the match. So there was a bit of tension there. And because it was said at the start of the World Tag League final that it basically came down to G.O.D., Finn Juice and Evelyn Sonada. Points-wise, it was going to be one of those three teams. They said that if G.O.D. won their match, then there would possibly be a tie. If then Finn Juice won their match, there would be a three-way tie. If G.O.D. lost their match against Yoshihashi and Tomi Urishi, then it would basically be a winner-take-all kind of thing where it would be whoever won between Finn Juice and Evelyn Sonada. And it was kind of an almost an upset loss for G.O.D. as they lost to Yoshihashi and Ishii. But I think that just takes a claim for Ishii and Yoshihashi to have a future tag title shot against whoever wins at Wrestle Kingdom. And it also helped to kind of ramp up the tension a bit for the final match because it basically meant like this is everything to play for. Yeah, definitely. It ramps up the, the tension. It gives you some future stories going forwards because it's... It's New Japan sometimes lacks a little bit in their heavyweight tag division, but by doing this, setting up new teams, World Tag League done some foundations there, and I'm I'm hoping to see some changes in that in some of the titles, and that is one of them. I'd like to see Finn just getting the belts. It was definitely great to see a fresh team win. I believe they're the first Gaijin team to win since Gallows and Anderson back in 2013, and it'll be interesting to see the outcome of their match at Wrestle Kingdom because the match against G.O.D. is on night one, but it has been announced that Robinson will have another title opportunity on night two against the winner of the U.S. Championship match, which we'll come to in a bit. Do you think that the result of one match will definitely kind of spell what might happen to just a night two in his next match? I think it possibly could. I get the feeling that depending on who's going to win, the first that first midnight, if Juice is going into that as a tag title holder, it's not impossible for him to go and win because we've seen it. ELP has dual belts, mm-hmm. a Red Pro Cruiserweight belt as well as IWGP Junior Tag. But I just I, something tells me that New Japan may play the safe route and try and keep their belts separate mm-hmm. going forwards. Yeah, especially since the whole. Thing of the main event of both nights is leading to someone holding two titles so I don't think they would go down that route but it would seem weird for me to have Juice and Finn win the tag titles and then have one half of your new tag team champions go into the next night and lose by cha- lose when they're challenging for a singles title Yeah there's there's definitely, I mean we never know what could happen, New Japan yeah. like to throw in good surprises but to me I'm seeing that the outcome of one definitely affects the other. Like It's not uncommon for tag champs to challenge for singles titles because uh, Sanada, one time when he was tag team champion, he challenged Okada for the heavyweight title, so it's not uncommon. And I think Juice has challenged both competitors in the UFC match before for the title, so I think there is a way that 
he wouldn't like come off like weak or because I think some people may argue that maybe oh he's just been seen as a tag guy because he got a tag belt but then he went for a singles belt and he's not he couldn't get it done but I think they'll find a way to keep it on strong if he doesn't win if he doesn't win on the second night but I think definitely night one is Finn just his night yeah totally feels it to me yeah, I love G.O.D. but like I think the main reason they've held on to the belts so long because they've held them on, held on to them since before MSG back at the start of the year so I think it's a case of we don't really have anybody else right now I think they're building to the Finns just when they're using the world title to further prop them up so I think G.O.D. have gone as far as they can with the titles because it's a case of if they don't win then it's either Evil Sonata again down the line or a rematch with Yoshihashi and Ishii and I think it'll tell a better story if you have G.O.D. chasing the belts again but also Yoshihashi and Ishii chasing the new champions because they're like well we've been the former champions Yeah there's definitely some some room for story there and I mean yeah. like you could, you could put the belts in them it's a safe idea but Sanada's getting a lot more exposure as a singles wrestler this year Yeah he's got a big singles opportunity this weekend that we'll come to later on but uh, we mentioned the US title match. I think it's only natural that we go into that match uh, because Lance Archer, we talked about how when he won the title, it was because the US title was vacated because former champion John Moxley could not make a scheduled title defence due to travel issues. So he beat Just Robinson for the vacant title. But then after Higgins Suzuki's match, the World Tag League final, Moxley made a big surprise appearance coming through the crowd and challenging Archer to a Texas death match at on night one of the Tokyo Dome. So this is a big it was a big surprise to me because we talked about the possibility of Moxley coming back. I wasn't sure if it was actually going to happen. And not only is it happening, but I think they're kinda of establishing because the US belt is going out in more gaijin wrestlers and it's part of their expansion in the the US, they've got more free reign with this belt because they can use more crazy stipulations style matches for it because like Two years ago, we had the no DQ match with Jericho and Omega, and now we've got the Texas Death match. Yeah, I mean that's a, the, the Texas Death match pretty, pretty much taken away everything apart from you can only win by a ten count knockout or submission. Yeah, that's that really is going to set it apart from anything else on the actual show, and I think that's always good. What did what did you make of the Moxley's return? Did you think it was a possibility? Were you surprised that it happened at this stage? I thought it might happen. Um, it didn't overly surprise me, but at the same time, it didn't make me any less happy. I was really happy to see him come back. And, I mean, the potential that you could either have Moxley lose, Archer wins, and then goes on to Robinson. Robinson looking for redemption after Archer destroyed him before. Or, the bigger story, Moxley gets that belt back and we finally get the original match that was meant to happen, just looking for vindication. Yeah, definitely, because... The thing with Lance Archer when the title is, I think he needed a big title match, big title defence at Wrestle Kingdom, and if it wasn't Moxley, I don't know who else there is on the card that would make an interesting enough match. And this, this is the one that I've went back and forth on most, weirdly, when I'm thinking about who I want to win, because Moxley is looking to go in the new year, he'd probably start a new a programme with Jericho over the AEW title, as it seems to be teasing towards but, like, I can see him winning because he got Drew Robinson on night two and, like you said, that original match that we were meant to have was maybe Robinson versus Moxley 
before Moxley couldn't make it. And Moxley came into New Japan defeating Trish Robinson. So I think it would be a nice blow-off, a nice way remembering people the history between the two. But then it depends how long Moxley, how often Moxley can appear because, you know, they've got the thing with AEW. Yeah, I mean, it was kind of like when Omega got the, the Intercontinental belt previously and as cool as that was, the belt kind of disappeared for a while because he wasn't there that often. So there is that frustrating issue that if Moxley wins it, it kind of takes it hostage for a while. But, yeah, you know, whoever gets Robinson the next night, they're not going to be in a good condition after that match. <laughs> no. no, that's very interesting. Like the possibility of coming out of it again because, like we said, like New Japan likes to free up some possible storylines, possibilities in future matches for down the line. I think this in the tie match, uh, before we talked about a minute ago, definitely goes under that category, but definitely feels that way. But if I had to ask you who do you think is going to win between the two, who do you think is taking the US title in night two against Robinson? I'm, I'm back in Moxley, that's my pick. <sighs> Part of me would like to see Archer take the belt on a bit further because, like, I think he was almost being rewarded with this US title run because of how he surprised everybody in the, the G1 everybody was talking about, how they didn't expect the performances that they'd seen from. But I think Moxley, the story of him coming back for the belt, he didn't actually lose. Uh, I think that's slightly more interesting. Also, the, I'm more interested in the possibility of him be just on night two. So, yeah, I think Moxley's winning it. And he's definitely leaving the Tokyo Dome with it on night two as well. So you'll have two success. You'll have a, two successful matches this weekend. Do you think we'll see blood in this uh, match? Given it is a death match, I think that comes with some expectation of a certain level of violence. Oh yeah, um, Moxley being involved, I'm expecting color. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> definitely. I mean, we've seen how like crazy things get when Jericho's around, like in No DQ and just beating up young boys. I think. This is going to definitely raise that level because Lance Archer being part of Suzuki and he's known to be very violent and Moxley's got that CCW background. So, and we've seen he's on sanctioned matches in AEW. So definitely if you're into your hardcore style matches, I mean, this is something for you. Yeah, it's definitely going to be the palate cleanser compared to the matches that are before it and after it on the card. <laughs> definitely. Now, this weekend, one of the things that's going to be noteworthy for is it will see the final two matches of Jushin Thunder Liger before his retirement. He, the first night he's in an eight-man tag, and the whole idea that these are people he's either been influenced by or he's interacted with in his career in some way or another. So it's something that means it means it's personal to him because Liger will be teaming with Tatsumi Fujinami, the Great Sasuke, and Tiger Mask against Taguchi, Otani, Sanu. Mikio Sanu, I believe that's how you pronounce it, and Takawaya, I think it is. I, I may have butchered that name. Tatsuhito Takawa. There we go. Thank you very much. Because <laughs> I usually like, I like to think I do well enough with these names I can get by, but every now and then there's one that just really is like, I have no idea. There's some, there's some definitely some interesting vintage names in there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Fujinami, uh, they talked about World Tag League. They said that. He was a big influence in Liger when he got into the business. Uh, he's also a WWE Hall of Famer. Sasuke, some people, old school WWE fans might remember him when he appeared at Canadian Stampede against Takamichinoku back in the day. Also, Tiger Mask, a huge name. Also, the very people who have done that moniker. Taguchi, 
for me, like, obviously, I don't know the history between everyone, and, like, I know his history with some of these guys. Taguchi seems like the most random one because he's one of the only members of the actual Ian Tagamath, technically, the only two current roster members that are in this match. Although this is very much a Legends-based match. Yeah, I mean, Taguchi's kind of, his main rise was at the time when Liger was right in the middle point of his career, pretty much, and they've they've worked against each other and together quite a bit so it's Taguchi's kind of the the link between the old and the new mm-hmm. I think this kind of a theme in his last two matches because this match is basically a callback to some of the great points and times in his career and I can definitely can see his team coming out on top but I think the match he has on night two is kind of a look into the future thing where I can see him coming out on the losing end where him where he's in a tag match with Sanu against the former Dragon Lee, now Ryu Lee, and Hiromu Takashi, who could possibly be the junior heavyweight champion going into that match. I think they, they talked about it as on, on New Japan as basically two two men who used to, you know, who originally, I, who originally like helped the junior division, the two guys who could be the future of the division who will help take it to new heights. Oh yeah, it's definitely. I mean, that's it's definitely a clash of generations. Um, it was. I, I was surprised when the video package played and it was Dragon Lee announcing that he wanted Liger for his mm-hmm. last match. I thought we were actually going to get a one-on-one. It's been like that way, and then Liger basically said like he'd also like to face uh, Tagashi. So it seemed like we we're going to get that. It's interesting that it's a tag match, and because by the build at World Tag League, it made it seem like it could possibly have been a triple threat, which I don't want to be kind of disrespectful, but I think that would have been a more interesting possibility of the the tag the triple threat match of of Takahashi if he's a junior heavyweight champion, uh, Lee and Liger because we know the history between Lee and Takahashi. But I think it's maybe a case of the reason it wasn't a triple threat is they would maybe think maybe it should they would wonder like we don't want to put Takahashi in a triple threat where he won't be defending the title if he is going to be the champion. Yeah, I mean, they've clearly got something in mind with that. Um, it's one of the few times, though, where, as we talked about Moxley and the juice thing, having, like, it feels like whatever happens there, you know how it's going to turn out. Takahashi, he's already in that match. I feel that he could still win the belt the night before from Osprey and then go into it. We never know. Yeah, and I believe, I hope that after the match, obviously, this will kind of be a passing of the torch, I think. I hope we get some kind of maybe a tease to another uh, Lee Takashi match down the line because it was unfortunately a match between those two that Hiromu suffered his original injury and Lee went on to win the title and basically said he was doing it for Hiromu. But I'd like to see those two kind of face off again. I know Lee is currently the uh, the TV champion and Ring of Honor won that final battle. But I definitely think this would be an. Oh, definitely will be sad to see Liger like hang it up because. We talk about, we'll talk about New Year's Dash in a bit, but the only thing they've announced for that show, they're keeping everything else secret, but the only thing they've announced is they're going to have a special like kind of retirement ceremony for Liger. Yeah, that's going to be something special. Putting putting an end to 30 years of Liger and 35 years of him actually wrestling in total. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you, you were telling me the other day that there was a time where he was just wrestling without the mask and under his real name taking on the Liger mantle. Yeah, his first five years, which I've done an article which will probably be on on the website soon, 
which goes a little bit more into that early history and his whole career. I look forward to reading that, and you guys should check it out too. I mean, I don't think I've actually seen proper like images of Liger without his face, without his face, without his mask on, and seeing his actual face. But it's one of the things like maybe I kind of don't want to because like you worried that will maybe ruin it a bit, like the illusion in it. Yeah, it's the magic. The only time you want to see Liger without his mask is when it's Keishin Liger. <laughs> yeah, possibly. And even then, you can't really get the best of his face because of all that face paint on. Yeah, and it's terrifying. <laughs> you think it's, I think it's a fair to say that maybe Liger will come out on the winning end of the uh, the eight man, and then he'll go on his back on night two because it's the whole passing of the torch thing. That's kind of what you do on your retirement. And so you think between Lee and Takashi, do you think do you think one of them will pin Liger? I think I think if Takahashi's the champ, I could see him being the one to pin Liger. But if he's not the champ, then I see it being Lee to do the pin. I think I could see it being Lee because he can maybe use that as a thing that he pinned a former great, like a former multiple time IWGP junior heavyweight champion on his final match and might use that as a kind of a way to get into another title match with Takahashi. But like, well, he could definitely, definitely use that again. I mean, Liger has got the record for combined reigns at 11 reigns. He's got about 40 defenses in total and he's held the belt for over 2,000 days combined. Yes, I believe one of his reigns is the longest in history. It may have been the sixth or something like that. I believe I can't remember which one, but it is like he did for a while uh, define that title. And like I think it's fitting that it might be it'll be in a match against possibly the future, the new junior heavyweight champion that will be the match he goes out on. But we talked about it enough where about that match, the other match that Roma has. It's surprising how many people on this card are wrestling both nights. Yeah, especially the New Japan standard. They're, they're not easy going on yeah. their talent. The kingdom. Yeah, because they're known for like, a headache schedule, especially around when they're having a tournament. But Hiromu's first proper singles match coming back from his near career ending injury will be against Will Ospreay for the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship. And it would tell an interesting story where Hiromu in a tag match against Robbie Eagles and Will Ospreay got pinned by Eagles and Osprey was almost taunting Takashi after the match. He's just saying, like, you're, you weren't ready to come back. If you're going to face me, I expect you to be ready. Yeah, Osprey's kind of became the, the de facto heel by the fact that it's kind of hard to go against a man that's came back after 17 months out. Um, mm-hmm. Kind of, to an extent, mirrors how Champa came back. You know, yeah. Champa left as a heel. They came back and everyone just loved them. Mm-hmm. So it, it, it felt natural that Osprey has to take the the arrogant approach for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's done that in the past because uh, he's played that arrogant heel role in the past in various promotions. So I can see why he would be like comfortable doing it. And like you can't expect people to boo Takashi after everything he's been through, and especially given he's part of LIG and them being as popular as they are. And I was, we were talking the other day about the possibilities of is this just for this match or could we see Osprey continuing this kind of attitude going forward because he has basically been the MVP in the world of wrestling, not just in New Japan, but in all of wrestling through 2019 with some of these performances. So they could maybe tell the story of all this kind of get into his head because I don't think Osprey's got much else he can do in the junior division. I think this is definitely, he will drop the belt here and this will be his 
path to the heavyweight division kind of full time because he's he's held the never title. He's kind of been flirting with the heavyweight division, but this is his full like step up. Yeah, I mean, this is his. If I remember correctly from the interviews, is his third Wrestle Kingdom event. But if you think of the three, this is only the second one that's a junior match since last year. It was him and Ibushi. Yeah, and their match like pretty much stole the show almost, and they were the opener. Yeah, exactly. So I mean, and we've seen the little teasers when Will Ospreay and Hiromu have been in the ring together already during the tag matches. Mm-hmm. Hiromu is going full speed. He has not lost a step, and he is matching Osprey in speed. Yeah, and I don't think they would fit him in this high-profile match if they didn't think he was a hundred percent. He said he wasn't going to come back until he was like he was sure that he was ready. And these two faced off before, uh, I believe it was Dominion in twenty eighteen. I believe it was yeah twenty eighteen, and I think. Well, that was a taste of what we can get, and hopefully we get something of that standard, if not better than that match. But I think we basically, when we were talking about the Liger match, I think we both kind of gave away what we think was going to happen, that uh, Hurum will, will, will be successful, he will prove us to be wrong, and that he is ready, and he will carry that title into the tag match on night two. Yeah, that's, I'm, I'm behind Takahashi the whole way. Loved Hurum before his injury. His character is so vibrant he's just insane there's no one like him yeah I mean you're kind of rooting for him after everything he's been through and like one of the things that even if you're not a fan somebody before the end I think them having some time away can really like can help your investment and then when they eventually come back so in a way like it's good that he's been away for so long because people are clamoring for him to finally come back because like when Dragon Lee was champion we were like okay is Roma going to come out and confront him and then he and they didn't, so I think we've been clamoring for him to come back for so long. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's it's the, the comeback I've been looking most forward to since the injury happened. It was just, he's the one guy I wanted back. And they said a year at first, and when it hit the year and he didn't appear, I was, I was like, where is he? Where is he? And he made his appearance at the place where these big things always happen. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean... It was a big surprise at Power Struggle, and like that's the sh- we talked about last episode that that is the place where big shocks happen and lead up to Wrestle Kingdom. Yes, I mean it's it's going to be nuts. I mean Hiromu says he's got more than the time bomb, so he's clearly coming back with some tricks that Osprey might not be aware of. Yeah, he's he may not be Osprey may not be as one hundred percent prepared as he thinks he is. Uh, moving on to yeah another title match. This one. Not as much of a story behind it as some of the ones we talked about before, like the Takashi match. Uh, it's the never open weight championship match between uh, the champion Kenta, in all caps still, and Hiroki Goto, the challenger. This one I felt like was kind of almost weirdly put together because Kenta kept attacking Goto at the World Tag League, and this match is going to be put together. I think the only real connection here is. Maybe because Goto and Shibata are also friends, so maybe they're using that to kind of because they want Kenta to be defending the title on Wrestle Kingdom. And I'm not saying it won't be a good match because I think it will be a good match. Just when I seen the match, it kind of I was kind of confused by it. Yeah, it's one that kind of came in out of nowhere, but at the same time, Wrestle Kingdom Goto's got a history with that belt, including his um, hair v's hair mask, hair v's hair match with Suzuki. Mm. Um, previously, which was a pretty brutal affair. 
Yeah. Um, see a champion with the never open weight belt get to like three defences, that's quite a rare thing as well. Mm. Yeah, definitely. Get is already one of the more successful never open weight champions that they've had. But yeah, Koto, is, even though he's like, re- he's got other accolades, he's, like he's the tag team and Arcanel champion, it seems recently the never belt has been. He's one of the guys along with Ishii. That's been kind of his belt because two years in a row at Wrestle Kingdom 11, he beat Shibata, surprisingly, for it. And then he beat Suzuki in that match you just mentioned. So he definitely has a history of it. So, like, but I do, I think there are still some people kind of like when they were hoping for Hiromi to come back. There are people, I think, who are hoping to see Shibata pop up either during or after the match until he don't do something with Kenta. But I think that is less likely than the Hiromi return. Yeah, I mean, Shibata, we, I would, you would hear me across the world if Shibata came back, especially when <laughs> we got, especially when we got the tease when he, he took a, took a few bumps in that when Kenta done his turn, but I, I just, I don't think Shibata will ever be back in the ring. If it happens, I'll be so happy because <laughs> it was an absolute amazing talent and he never got the full chance because of what happened to him. Mm-hmm. I know, the fact that it happened in these probably his big opportunity to finally become the IWGP heavyweight champion and that's where the injury happened, that was what made even more cutting, but I think the reason that some people are so clamoring to see him back and they think he's going to get involved is because of how physically involved he got when Kenny initially turned so I think that little bit of, that gave people that little bit of hope that a lot of people are really clinging on to. Yeah, and I mean it's, it's, it's not to say it's impossible, it's not to say it might never happen because I mean we thought Daniel Bryan was gone, but he's back. And he even had, well, the big rumour right now about Edge. But Yeah, I was going to say. Yeah, Edge is a big rumour now. Edge or that spear at SummerSlam. I, mean, I don't want to seem like we're kind of discrediting Goto, because he's had that big performance before. He's been a former G1 winner. But I think Kent, on the run he's been on, he's been a fantastic heel. I think people are just hoping for a bigger match for him, given how good he's done. But I definitely think, like, this is one of those ones where I think because people may be overlooking it, they'll be surprised by how good it was and it could be one of those sleeper hat matches. Oh, yeah. Open weight matches have a high, have a, a, a habit of being big surprise hits. Suzuki Goto was brilliant. Um, Osprey and Ibushi last year. Yeah. Goto can really, he can put on a fantastic match. And Kenta has really came into his own since he's came back from WWE and into New Japan now. Yeah, because like you can have people because of the open weight nature, you can have people of varying different styles challenge for it. Like you said, Osprey and obviously their style is very different from the likes of a Goto or Shibata. So that old old mix of people who can challenge for it, I think it's why matches are always so like good. Uh, I think Ken is definitely going to retain because I think given that he's their defense, maybe they should have him hold on to it because like it's been a while since we had some seen somebody. Hold on to that belt for so long and have a long way with it. So I think having somebody hold on to it for a while and be dominant and have a list of like dominant defenses would be a big like kind of a breath of fresh air for that title. Yeah, it gives a belt because if depending on what happens when we talk about it later with the whole IC belt situation, mm-hmm. there might be one belt less in the promotion, so the open weight has a chance to step up and get some prestige about it. Yeah. I want to take a little break from the title matches for now, but do talk about one that may or may not have title implications. 
because we have Roshi Tanahashi versus Chris Jericho on night two of Wrestle Kingdom. Now, like I said, we talked about Moxley coming back to Japan. I think the Jericho was a bit less surprising because Jericho is the kind of guy who can afford to like be allowed to go to New Japan because he has the history, he's still a title there, and also he's kind of a veteran. And there was all this kind of buzz after an interview at Tanahashi where he said, like, maybe I'll cross the Forbidden Portal, as he said, and challenge the EW title. If I beat you, then Jericho cut his promo in front of a private jet saying that he'd spoken to Tony Khan and said that, okay, if you can beat me, I will give you an AEW title shot. Now, I think there are things like, when we noticed, like, when they build it as a special singles match, because obviously there's nothing on the line in this match, but I think the people are getting a bit more buzz to try up the ante a bit with this whole implication of the AEW title, but I hope Jericho comes out with the AEW title, but I don't think he, I still think he's probably going to win here. Yeah, it's definitely going to be a, an interesting match. And it was the least surprising return because yeah. after Tanahashi kind of chased off Jericho, after Jericho fought Okada, it's the next natural progression. And it's getting me closer to the dream match that I want, which is I want Jericho and Suzuki. <laughs> I mean, he's making his way through, like you said, all the main like, heavy hitters and faction leaders in New Japan right now. So... It's only a matter of time because he does seem to come around for the big show. So hopefully, as soon as Dominion 2020, Jericho pieces it. You know, you know we know Bishop is listening into this. So big pledges on Patreon that lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah I'm sure the guys at Bushy Road are, are are listening. Do it, book it, make it happen. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder what those two Scottish lads think we should do. Yeah, just listen to us. We'll, we'll, we'll fantasy book the rest of the year for them. Guaranteed success. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, I, remember, I think we were kind of, it seemed like we were kind of joking on Jericho about if he would be able to win, but if he won by like, the, the Judas effect, that would be a bit silly. But I definitely think that Tanahashi being a veteran, like, it's good to have him on Wrestle Kingdom, but you can kind of afford to not have him win because you can have Jericho get the win because I don't, I don't think some people are expecting it, even with Jericho holding the title, I think some people are they're expecting to actually still win but I mean, believe me, like I would love if like at the end of the next AEW after Jericho has like a successful defence if like Tanahashi's music hit and Tanahashi got to appear in AEW, I know like a lot of the internet would lose their minds but I think Jericho being the heel to take away that possibility from people would be even better Oh yeah, it's, it's a total dream match now because I mean I always think of Tanahashi as the Japanese John Cena because of the, his history with the company, with the, the main title and things like that. So having sort of two top heavyweights go at it, and it, it would be incredible to see Tanahashi make the appearance in AEW. It would perhaps give AEW a little boost where they're needing it. Yeah, definitely because they're not they're definitely seeming open with like relationships with the companies. You had the AAA title. Defended on Dark, you have the guys from uh, OWE, and I don't think Tanashi, after his win last year of the, the heavyweight title, I think that was his kind of last big run with the title. So I, I don't see him holding that title much longer, like ever again. But I think the idea of him challenging for another major heavyweight title would be interesting because we saw him like win the Red Pro title when nobody thought he really would, and even though he dropped it very soon back, but. The idea of him challenging for the AEW title is a big like dream match, but I definitely think Jericho's going to win because I think 
even though like they wouldn't, I don't think they would mind him losing with a belt. Well, I think he still probably has to win. Oh yeah, definitely. It's to me, it's it feels like it's a must-win for Jericho, especially with him carrying the AEW belt. If he loses out with their promotion, mm-hmm. AEW wants their belt to look good. So yeah. there's there's quite a lot of riding on it. Um, but I mean, he's definitely got a tough test with Tanahashi because we've seen. Tanahashi, like last Wrestle Kingdom, it was him against Omega. I do hope that Jericho comes out with the belt because I think with that, like, pain maker style jacket they wear, and then him coming out with the title in the Tokyo Dome would be a very cool visual. But they did do have this video on New Japan's kind of YouTube channel where they recap, like, various storylines or history of certain wrestlers, and they, they were doing one on Jericho, and they said they mentioned that well, he's wrestled at two Wrestle Kingdoms in a row, he's not one. So that's one of the ones where I think they're kind of sowing the seeds like, oh, is this, he's not won at Wrestle Kingdom and then this is the year he finally wins. Third time's a charm. <laughs> that is what they say. Uh, we'll talk about some of the other title matches we've got on this over the two nights. We have the IRGP Junior Heavyweight Tie titles. We have the champions being Bullet Club members El Fantasmo, who is the British Cruiserweight Champion from Rare Pro, and Taiji Ishimori, the Bone Soldier, against Sho and Yo for Pongi 2K who won the Super J Tag League and as part of the build to this Bullet Club have stolen the Super J Tag trophies. Yeah, that was that was quite humorous and, and thankfully they finally got their, their, their they got their trophies back. Took them the third night of the Road to Wrestle Kingdom, but they did eventually get them back after a, a good bit of battering them about. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I really like like El Fantasma as a heel. Like he's this great cocky heel. He's he goes around with not only the tag belt, but he's also got the the Red Pro belt, as I talked about. And I really like those those two as a tag team. But Rapongi Three Care and other guys who have yet to win really at Wrestle Kingdom because even though we said like oh it's kind of the same old kind of thing with them when they being in the finals of the Super J Tag League and winning it for the third year in a row. They haven't actually won at a Wrestle Kingdom yet because they came in hot, won the titles, won the tournament as champions, lost to the Young Bucks at Wrestle Kingdom 11, won a triple threat at Wrestle Kingdom 12, and they lost. And this is like the first year that I think I could see them possibly winning because even though it's kind of like, oh, they won the tournament again, like the thing that they've got one more thing to really prove as a junior tag team, and that's win a title match on Wrestle Kingdom. Yeah, I mean it's it's definitely there's a lot to prove for Sean and Yo. They've they've proven what they can do in the best of super juniors individually with the junior tag league results, but it is that old trying to convert that into a final result. And ELP and Taiji Ishimori have just they'll fight dirty, they'll do anything they can, keep a hold of those belts. And I definitely like because I know Fantasma was very entertaining when he was complaining to the commentators about why they weren't in the finals, even though they had the same amount of points as the two the two teams that were in the finals. So, see like the kind of excuses he'll come out with if they don't walk away with the tag belt would be quite humorous. And we've seen showing you in singles action in the best of super juniors, and we know that eventually once they pursue singles opportunities in the division, they'll probably fare very well. But it's one of the things that they've still got a couple of hurdles to overcome as a tag team in the division. And like I said, winning the titles on Wrestle Kingdom is the first one before they wanted to before we start focusing on them as singles guys. Yeah, I mean, it's 
It definitely feels like this match could go either way. The only thing that I don't see happening is if Bullet Club lose the belts, I see it being Ishimori to eat the pin because Rev Pro's already advertised in ELP and he's cruiserweight belt for a defence in February mm-hmm. in London. Yeah, luckily, I mean, he has defended that on a New Japan Bandit show before back in November in the US, but I definitely see what you're, you're thinking on the Ishimori taking the pin, but I definitely think Rapongi 3K, as I've said, like that's the one thing they've really got to do as a team. That they are taking the this is going to be the big feel good win. I think this is one of the first matches on night two, so I think it'll be a big baby face win to open the show and kick it off hot. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that's because it's the second match on the main card behind the um, Liger's retirement match, and the, there is a title match on the pre show. The they've often forgotten about. Six-man tag belts. <laughs> I didn't even put that down in my notes. I've, I think about them that little. Yeah, that's um, the, the customary defended in a gauntlet. Yeah. Just to make sure you can get as many people in the show as possible. <laughs> <laughs> I could definitely see showing you winning the belts. It would be a, a good feel-good sort of, as say, face is winning. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because like, shows like the Wrestle Kingdom usually start off with a big, one of the first matches is usually a big junior tag match either the first or the second match because they know that the juniors are a great opening to the show because of the fast-paced action of their matches. Uh, before we move on to another Rare Pro title, since you mentioned the Rare Pro show in, the, in February, do you want to briefly talk about the, the Never Open Weight match that's on the pre-show night too? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's it'll actually probably end up being quite a fun match. I mean, random entry, two teams at a time and 60 minutes full matches, winners stay on. So, I mean, you've got your title holders, probably one of the most random-looking teams of Taguchi, mm-hmm. Yano and Maccabee. Mm-hmm. And it says here, like, fifth defence, which is rare. Again, probably they never open weight title change hands so often. The six-man six man belt seem to change hands even more often. So we see a team hold on to the titles as long as they have. I mean, they've not done anything with them, but it's rare to see a, a, a group of six-man champions have the titles for that long. Yeah, so I mean, it'll be interesting to see if they keep a hold of them and the teams have got to go up against. There's some pretty heavy hitters. I mean, Chaos have got Ishii and Yoshihashi with Robbie Eagles joining them. That's a that's a solid team. Mm-hmm. Um, Lij being represented by their guys that aren't on the main card, so Bushy for the junior side and Evil and their big new heavy hitter mm-hmm. Shingo He's had a phenomenal year. Pretty much undefeated, undefeated as a junior until Osprey beat him in the best of Super Junior final. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You've got Suzuki Gun as well, and Bullet Club being represented, so it's 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 pretty much faction warfare. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, you've got this kind of random collection against all the major factions, and I think because these guys have had such a long reign, I definitely see new champions. And I think because you've got all of Lig. In title matches over the two nights, I think we're going to see some like a very successful weekend for them. So I think that's why I believe Evil Bushi and Kagi will probably take the titles because I think like they did the whole thing with Takagi going undefeated and the junior is best of superiors until Osprey defeated him. I think given his size and the way he competed in the in the G1, I think he's also moving up to the heavyweight division as well. I even heard on commentary on a recent show, uh, one of the commentators said that 
the category was probably a, a dark horse bet to win the New Japan Cup, which I think would be very interesting. Yeah, I mean, they were talking about um, like people who have had the most pinfall wins throughout the whole year. Mm-hmm. And surprisingly, Takagi was actually one of the top. I think we went go unbeaten, especially in a tournament for as long as he did. I think that's pretty understandable. But do you see which kind of group do you see walking up with the tag titles? I think for me, if I see a team switching, I'm torn between the LIJ guys and the Suzuki Gun guys because Taichi has been pretty good since he went up heavyweight, and the, the juniors of El Desperado and Kanemaru. I mean, El, Desper- El Desperado is just back from injury not too long ago and it would be a kind of a, a good point for them if they aren't getting a shot at the junior tag belt soon. Mm-hmm. I do feel bad for the Bullet Club team of Owens, Takahashi and Bad Luck Valley because they kind of seem like the least likely out of everyone, even including the champions, because the rules are that the champions, usually in these kind of gauntlet sale matches, the champions enter last, which... Kind of is usually a mixed if that actually helps them or not, but I definitely think that LIG are a, a big contender. I actually think it's a, one of the biggest surprises we could see is actually Chaos winning, like as the one who goes kind of a shock win. Yeah, and it's I mean, Chaos you can't discount them by the fact that, as we mentioned earlier, Yoshihashi and Ishii being, being solid as a tag team, and Eagles, who's been phenomenal with Ospreys, Birds of Prey. You've got three guys that are all pretty much on the same page as each other. Hashi mm-hmm. and Ishii all both had a, a better run in World Tag League. I think a lot of people thought they would have beat the champions on the final night, finishing almost with as many points as the champions. So, like, there's definitely a possibility there. We've talked about LIG and Rev Pro, which I think is very fitting because we go into the next match from night two, and it is a Rev Pro British Heavyweight Championship match between Sanada and Zack Sabre Jr. These two have fought a number of times over the last year or so, some matches with the title on the line. And for me, I believe that we talked about, you said earlier about Sanada getting big opportunities as a single star. I actually see Sanada coming away on top in this one. I think this is his time. I could feel it. I could feel it happening. I mean, this is what I affectionately call with one of my friends, the, the Battle of the Handsome Bastards. <laughs> These two guys are just strapping that, but Sanada's year. I mean, um, one of the magazines in Japan, Tokyo Sports, I believe it was, gave Sanada and Okada um, match of the year, quite deservedly. Absolutely phenomenal. If I remember correctly, it was their last match because they've had about three or four throughout the year. Yeah, I think it was, um, I think if I remember correctly, there was New Japan Cup final. Um, Sanada let them have a shot at the belt. The Sanada got them during the G1, finally. <laughs> so I mean it's I mean these two know each other very well they've faced off against each other so many times Sanada's technical abilities coming on Zack Sabre Jr possibly the best technical wrestler in the world depending on who you talk to <laughs> Sanada has had opportunities at the heavyweight title as far as early as a few months ago so he definitely has the credibility as a single guy to be Bolivos champion I think these two match up very well is like Zach's kind of his lanky frame and his technical ability, like match it well with somebody as quick as Sonata, especially when uh, Sonata wants to lock in that paradise lock. They're both New Japan Cup winners as well, who have both went on to face Okada after their New, Ju- New Japan Cup wins. 
There you go. And the thing with Executive Juniors, it seems to be a thing where between Japanese members of the New Japan roster, one out like Tanahashi, uh, Sinata, uh, Shibata, and Ishii, Executive Juniors always the guy who loses it and then win it back again. Uh, he's going to defend it successfully at MSG, but you think if he loses it to Sonata, this will be another quick win and then eventually you'll get it back, or you think that Jibujin's team sack actually started holding a title from New Japan? Well, I mean, if Sonata holds it, it'll be interesting because it takes it further away from what many would say calling it a British heavyweight championship because in Rev Pro, it's only been defended a handful of times in its own promotion in the last year because their title holder's pretty much been away from the promotion most of the year. Yeah, because Zach is pretty much full-time whenever he has a belt. He's always on the tours with Suzuki Gun. But, and it has been a very like international title because you've had Americans like AJ Styles and Cogavana also hold it. So like even though it's called a British title, it's not like strictly for UK wrestlers. And I think if we got to see Sanada in Red Pro more often, then that would be very interesting. And it's actually what doing because remember when he he's a former, he said one of the New Japan Cup, if he could move into that level and actually win one of the top titles in New Japan, I could see him in kind of the never IC title level in New Japan, if not a heavyweight champion at some point. Well, yeah, I could definitely see him with the open weight belt because he would work. He's the right size, like Osprey, that he can fit between both divisions. It can be a bridge that works between both. Because <laughs> Rare Pro and New Japan have one of the strongest relationships between the two companies at the moment because the Rare Pro belt seemed like another part of the New Japan like list of belts. Especially with the whole thing with Ring of Honor, that relationship being on the rocks because in the past we've seen the Ring of Honor belt defended every screen and now it seems that Rare Pro's title is kind of slid into that spot. Yeah, I mean it's 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 fitting pretty well and I mean we've seen some fantastic matches. Um Sabre against Ishii, we've had Sabre and Tanahashi, now we're getting Sabre and Sanada. I mean Sabre does hold that belt fantastically. It gives it a good air prestige and every match he has with it just seems to be phenomenal. Yeah, I mean, we talk about some people who, like, when you think of a certain title, you think of them, I think that's what that Sabre Jr. does with that title. He holds it, like, very well, but I think it's time that somebody else had a decent line reign with it and Zach can move on to, like, he's capable of so much more. I think it's time he moves on to that. And we've been here for nearly an hour, and I think it's time to talk about the big main event of the weekend, where on night one, we will have Tetsuya Naito challenging Jay White for the IWGP Intercontinental Championship. And the main event of night one will be Kota Ibushi, the winner of the G1 Climax, challenging Kazuchika Okada, the heavyweight title. And on night two, the losers of the respective matches will face off in what could be a potential unofficial number one contenders match for down the line, and the two winners will face off in a winner-takes-all match for both championships. Uh, Grant, we were talking about this before, a few days ago, and we both seem to agree that Kota Ibushi is the man to hold the uh, heavyweight tail going into night one, so going into night two from night one, but we seem to be kind of split almost on who the Intercontinental Champion will be, because I seem to believe that uh, Jay White will possibly retain, because then you've got a top face in the the fans love and you've got someone like Jay White who's so hated going into night two which I think would get the fans more behind Ibushi but you seem to think that Naito is going to win Yeah that's I mean I'm, I'm very torn because I'm a big fan of all the guys involved here but 
Naito and Ibushi have definitely got a history, especially when it came to the IC belt. They had quite a lot of back and forth with it, a lot of tormenting each other because it was Ibushi wasn't even going to go for the belt, and Naito pretty much goaded them into it. There is there is that that history there, and Naito can fit the heel in that perspective because that's probably the most flexible thing about Lij is that some factions are pure face, some are pure heel. Lij can toe the line really well. Yeah, they seem to be the only real faction that are doing that now because you've got Chaos that have been the face faction kind of for a wee while now, whereas you've got the big heel factions like Suzuki Gun and Bullet Club. My worry about Naito winning. Because I know like people have been saying he's been saying that he wants to hold both belts. Uh, I think it maybe seems slightly too obvious to have him in Nabushi and Night 2. And also my fear is that maybe the fans, there's a part of the fans that would be more inclined to cheer for Naito, which would kind of take away from Ibushi if Ibushi ends up holding both belts at the end. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's definitely a good point in the booking sense of things. And that's where it does... From a, from a pure old school, you want a clear-cut face, you want a clear-cut heel. You definitely can't go wrong with keeping white to retain going into night two. Yeah, and because even though there will be people who want to see Naito and Bush on night two, I think the fact that Jay White took that away from them, well, rap will get people more behind Ibushi. But if, is, if Okada's going to be in the losers kind of match almost on night two, I definitely think he's going to win that regardless if it's Naito or Jay White he faces because Okada is still very much like their New Japan's guy right now. So even though he's just lost the heavyweight title, they'll want to kind of rebound very quickly because he will be challenging for it very soon after. So I think he's going to get a win on night too. Yeah, I mean, Okada is the gold standard. He's pretty much taken up what Tanahashi used to be and then smashed it. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And that legendary 700 plus day reign, like, basically shows a lot of confidence New Japan has in them. But I think, regardless of if it is Naito, like, part of my fear of it being Naito challenging Ibushi is we've seen what they can do before. Like, as good as the matches were in MSG and Dominion over the IC title, I don't know how many more times I can see those guys, like, dropping each other on their heads. Like, I'm getting very concerned for them. Oh yeah, the the Ibushi Naito bumps are it's it's the old uh, if they had a wrestling school it'd be can you take a back bump yeah can you take a bump in your neck what yes do that <laughs> <laughs> yeah like basically that apron bump they took in Dominion there was Ibushi part of his head hit the apron that then he almost completely kind of missed it so like that it's stuff like that that a lot of people are very concerned about but either way I believe that Ibushi is going to hold both titles at the end of night two because he like he stayed in New Japan and Kenny Omega thought about how he could have asked Ibushi to come with them to AW and he probably would have but he and Ibushi were very annoyed that they didn't get their one-on-one match at the Tokyo Dome and he knows that it means a lot to Ibushi to be the IWGP heavyweight champion so I don't think Ibushi would stay in New Japan if he didn't see the possibility of him being the top guy with the possibility of him holding the championship was a, wasn't a possibility. And I think this is that time, because yes, some of the people have been clamouring to hold the top tail for a while. Oh yeah, they made a huge deal of it, the fact that Ibushi pretty much turned around and said, New Japan is where my career will end. Everyone thought he would have followed Omega to AEW and stuff like that, and he just 
he didn't. He made it clear where he was staying. Yeah, I think if there is going to be a relationship with AEW and New Japan with the likes of Moxley and Jericho coming over, hopefully that means that we can't rule out the possibility of Ibushi and Omega coming crossing paths again, whether that be as a tag team, the Golden Lovers, or maybe they get that finally they get that one-on-one match, maybe at the Tokyo Dome. But it's one of those things in wrestling you can't ever say never. Yeah, I mean that's it. I mean the Bucks and Omega still are pretty sour about New Japan as they've done in an interview. An interview on YouTube lately, they, they didn't really hide their feelings on that matter, but you know, that's it's still fresh. Time changes it. Mm-hmm. You know, like time heals all wins is the expression. And do you think, how do you think this will impact how the titles are defended going forward with one man holding both titles? Do you think they'll, depending on like the how big the show is, if it's a smaller show, the champ will be in the main event defending the IC title, but for like bigger shows like one of the new beginnings or Dominion, you'll be defending just the heavyweight title, or you think you'll defend both belts in once? Uh, that's that's what I've been trying to get my head around as well, and I'm like, because if someone's got a choice, they're always going to go for the bigger belt. Yeah, yeah. You're never if someone's holding both the IC belt and the, the heavyweight, you're unless you've got a really good story built into it, you're always going to go for the heavyweight and. It then gives you the difficulty of how do you either separate them or do you choose to do like what Progress done this year and do you just unify them? Yeah. That does mean like sometimes a, a promotional unit will have the chance to defend both belts. Sometimes that means the unification and they basically become one and one or one belt kind of gets deactivated and what they're just the one belt now. Uh, it's very interesting because like you have things like the New Beginning shows that they do. Where like you have the show, big shows like Sapporo and then in Osaka, so you could have kind of a double main event and those shows that are so close together. Where you having the build up to Sapporo, you build to an IC title match, and then you have the, that same champion defend the heavyweight belt the next show in Osaka. So you can there is ways they can, like, they can get around it. Oh yeah, there's definitely ways. I mean, they could even do the old well WWE done it already when Rollins had the the US belt and the the heavyweight. Mm-hmm. And it was two yeah. matches. Yeah, it's one of those things that because it's very rare for someone like New Japan, especially with the two top titles, like you see it in a lot of like UK or American promotions, but New Japan for their top two belts to be held at the same time is very rare. So like as you said, like most people would go for the heavyweight. Like like in the New Japan Cup, oftentimes you can choose to go for the IC belt as well as the heavyweight belt. But the only person who's ever chosen not to go for the heavyweight is Shinsuke. Because like he basically made that belt important and he wanted it back, so that gave that title a bit more like prominent prestige. It was something to go after. So as you said, like most people would probably go for the heavyweight belt, and I don't see this being kind of a long term thing. I think by like middle of twenty twenty, like you'll have dropped one of the titles. Yeah, I mean that's it. It's definitely going to be. I'm I'm very fascinated to see how they how they explain how the belts will be defended afterwards because they've made a big deal of getting to this point of the double gold dash, but they've not really went on to how does it get dealt with afterwards. <laughs> if they have someone who they want to have won the, the New Japan Cup, but they don't want them to win the heavyweight yet, you'd have them win the ICE off of them and then lead to a heavyweight title match between the two later on. If you wanted to give like if it's a bush that's winning it, if you want to give him a long reign because if it is going to be a I could see him holding it all the way to next year's Wrestle Kingdom. I've thought of all sorts of different ideas, even it's, things like the idea of did they have like a like a two falls match, the first falls for one belt, the second falls for another, or 
where you could put that into a triple threat situation and suddenly the belts can get split two ways. Yeah, it definitely feels like that Western influence of like the kind of non-Japanese owners, like the non-Japanese president now in New Japan, and like the expansion to America, they're basically welcoming more Western-style ideas in New Japan. It's feeling very new and there's kind of a lot of unknown around it. Yes, I mean, it's definitely going to be. I mean, hopefully they'll have an explanation either by the time the event rolls around or at New Year's Dash, they'll give us some indication as to what the story with the two belts will be and how they'll be handled going forwards. Hopefully, I mean, like, because, like, hopefully, because, like, they do usually do a good job on commentary of explaining it, so hopefully they'll explain it on commentary, or, as you say, they'll explain it by the time New Year's Dash rolls around. But speaking of New Year's Dash, like, as I said, everything other than Lager's retirement is being kept secret. Do you have, like, any ideas of stuff you'd like to see or stuff you told that they would do for New Year's Dash? Because this seems to be kind of they're almost raw after Mania still show where everything kind of resets and new foods for the rest of the year start to build. I've been trying to think about it and I've been, a lot of it comes down to who's holding the belts and things like that. But um, I know one thing I love the idea of on New Year's Dash was if Kenta retains the open weight belt, I love the idea of Shingo going for Kenta. Ooh. That'd be very interesting, especially like if he's, He's been wrestling as a junior and as a heavyweight, so if he's kind of in the middle, that's the perfect kind of belt to hold. Like, cause, as I said, Osprey was floating between the two for a while, and he won that title, so it's definitely an interesting possibility. We could be here kind of fantasy booking, like, stuff for the two titles in New York Dash all day, but unfortunately we don't have the time, so I think we're going to wrap up there. I hope you people have stuck with us and you've enjoyed hearing us talk about this very stacked card for Wrestle Kingdom. In our next episode, it'll be uh, all. It'll be talking all things Wrestle Kingdom, all the outcomes, all the possibly new champions, and like we'll be talking especially about New Year's Dash. So I think those three days, those three days, we we'll pack like multiple episodes worth of content into one. And then we'll be getting ready for new beginnings, which for the first time will be started in the USA rather than Japan. Yes, right. Yeah, as I said, that Western influence creeping out in New Japan, so. The 2020 looks to be a big year for New Japan and hopefully you will come along with us as we look forward and I hope you've enjoyed this. Make sure you are pledged and continue to pledge on Patreon to get all the other shows at the $4 level including views of Raw, Smackdown, AEW and NXT and NWA among much else. Grant, it's been a pleasure as always talking about New Japan and I think it's fair to say we're both very excited for Wrestle Kingdom. Oh, definitely. It's been a blast, Scott, and I can't wait. And I love those early morning starts for Wrestle Kingdom, rather than <laughs> staying up like a zombie to four in the morning. <laughs> yeah, I know. It makes a, makes a definite change for us over here in the UK. Wake up and there's a whole shoot stacked card waiting for you. It's like Christmas morning. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Like People say, oh, Christmas is over. It's not over yet. It's still, We've still got New Japan Christmas to come. Exactly. It's still coming for us. <laughs> Hopefully you're all looking forward to risking as much as we are. But until next time, where we'll be talking all the outcome and hopefully multiple match of the year candidates from Grammar Rob Scott and thank you for tuning in to another episode of uh, East Meets West. And remember everyone, much like Bullet Club ESSR is for for life.